0: Hey there, this is Jody Clock and welcome to my podcast, I Woke Up Dead, Now What? In our conversations, we'll talk about real issues that everyday people face should they wake up dead without a life after death plan in place. Join me as we explore the how-tos on preparing for you or your loved one's passing without breaking the bank. And let's not forget about those pets too. Now, don't you fall asleep. Today's conversation is going to be about unresolved grief. In my last podcast, I talked about having a clergy meeting and so many things came out of that conversation. Uh, One of them was a topic and a podcast called Defending the Dead, which if you didn't listen to it, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. So many good learnings came out of that. The second part of the clergy meeting, people just got all fired up and they were talking about unresolved grief so for purposes of today's podcast I want to let you know it's a real thing and all too often people don't understand what it is so I'd like to discuss it unresolved grief is a real thing and all too often when people die they hit the panic button instead of focusing on that life lived and how to honor that life they focus on the inconvenience of the when the death occurred and the how it is impacting everyone's life connected to the deceased. I mean, let's face it, it's inconvenient. Yes, I said that out loud, but that's what people are thinking. In fact, it is not uncommon for a family member to come to the funeral home with their service plan in hand while not taking into consideration the time to understand the variables that must happen prior to a funeral regardless if it is a cremation or a burial. If the truth be told, I don't know how many families have come in and never really thought about anyone's schedule but their own, that the funeral home may already have three funerals, that the cemetery may be closed or charging overtime, or the church might have a wedding going on. So there's a lot of scheduling that's involved. The other thing is I find this really bizarre but it happens on a regular, regular basis. When somebody goes into hospice, all of a sudden that family gets antsy. So they have wonderful intentions, but they come running into the funeral home and they want to plan a funeral. And they have everything down to the music, the day, the church that they want it at, and they want it set in stone. And our funeral directors, and most every funeral director across America, appreciates, I should say, their passion and their love for honoring that life. But just because a person goes into hospice, they don't have a born-on date. There's no magic button that says Susie's going to die today at three. In fact, oftentimes when people do this, it will backfire. And that person might live three weeks. They might live two days longer than when the guesstimate, and I use that term guesstimate doctors and the hospice team have no idea when a person is gonna die they do however have experience that they base it on and they have an ish but ultimately that individual is gonna die when they are ready to die and they have let go and taken care of all unfinished business a byproduct that comes out of when a family rushes to check things off of their list and comes in to plan a funeral before the death happens and they're mentally all geared up to go to this funeral, is unresolved grief. It's when a life-altering loss is not properly processed or worked through. Kind of like the scenario above. Full disclaimer, I am not a psychologist or a licensed therapist. However, I have walked this journey personally more times than not, and with many others. I have been in death care for over 30 years, and my experience has taught me a lot one might compare unresolved grief to post-traumatic stress disorder otherwise known as PTSD in our clergy roundtable that I referenced earlier people felt that unresolved grief could be directly tied to what is happening in the world today hmm I found that an interesting correlation look around people are angry people are in denial people are depressed As you know, there are five stages of grief, and in order, they are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. For this podcast, I'm just going to broad stroke and speak in generalities. I think the clergy were onto something. People are angry. The why can stem from any loss. Loss of a family member, friend, pet, marriage, politics. Whatever people grieve isn't right or wrong, and it is not ours to judge. It's personal and it's real to that individual. All that matters is the pain recognized is denied and pushed down and not addressed. Usually it's not even worked through. So what happens is it'll stay down there. It might be in the gut, it might be tucked away in the brain, but it's going to manifest. And at some point, something's going to trigger it and it's going to come out. I'm a perfect example of unresolved grief. My sister, who's 14 years my senior, and my parents spent their entire life protecting me from reality. I get this was done out of love, and after, I don't know how many years of counseling and several thousands of dollars later, I was, I was truly able to understand their reasoning. But just let me paint a picture of what I experienced. My parents were much older when I came into their world. I honestly believed that my world was just like everyone else's and that it was stress-free that others were raised in the same type of loving household there was abundance there was joy everyone was taught to be self-confident I thought everyone was just like me so I guess you could say I grew up in the world of unicorns and fairies well when I was 22 my mother died I was married I was a new mother and I didn't know what I didn't know the only person In my life at this point that had died was my girlfriend that I graduated high school with her death was tragic but it wasn't apparent I had never seen my parents ill or for that fact go to the doctor and I'm not even sure I went to a funeral I saw them go to a funeral growing up so on a random October day my sister called me and she said that mom had gone to the hospital apparently on her way to work her arm went numb and she was scared I lived in Muskegon. My sister and her family lived in Indiana, as did my parents. My sister, along with my father, went to the hospital. When I got home from work that day, I called the hospital. I was able to speak with my mom. For those who remember, long distance, that was a big deal. It was also very expensive. My mother proceeded to get on the phone, and she referred to the cost of long distance. And she was trying to keep the conversation short and sweet. She said the doctors recommended she stay over for observation. My mom insisted she would be going home and then headed to work the next morning. She reiterated it was just a pinched nerve, dear. Nothing to worry about. I'm in great hands. Well, not understanding the facts and being incredibly naive, I believed her. Long story short, she died six weeks to that day from stage four brain cancer. The truth came out when I began to question if it really was a pinched nerve. Why are you still in the hospital? Well, I never got a straight answer, so I decided to arrive unannounced to the hospital and get the facts. My sister was honest and direct, albeit trying to sugarcoat it. My dad was in denial, and up until the day mom died, she never directly addressed with me she was dying. It was just the unspoken. So what's my point? After my mom's funeral, which was long before I came into this death care profession, I rarely talked about this. Yep, there was some anger. Those of you who know me, I am not one who cries, and if I do, it's not publicly. I always put on that happy face, I have my big girl panties on and I move forward and I don't look back. Well, 18 years later, from my mother's death, on a Tuesday afternoon, while driving, a Karen Carpenter song of all things came on, and my mom used to sing that song all the time. Anyhow, out of nowhere, I was enveloped with grief and with sadness. I had to pull my car over on the highway because I was crying so hard. I mean, one of those guttural cries when it's, you know, it's loud, you're making noises and not just crying. It's like, oh, it was not pretty. Anyhow, I couldn't see through the tears to drive. I literally stayed there for about 30 minutes before I was able to turn the car around and head home. Oddly enough, by the time I got home, I felt cleansed and at peace. So over the years, since that experience, This has happened to me on numerous occasions. You know, I have grieved more than the death of a person. I've grieved a death of my marriage, not one, but two. I've too many pets to count, friendships, and even an employer. What I've learned is to breathe it in and acknowledge it. When you feel safe, talk about it. If you can't talk about it, journal it, take a walk, but process it. Because if you ignore it, it will creep up. And when you least expect it, it will weigh you down. And trust me, you don't have time to be weighed down. You just want to make a difference and have a good day. You don't want to be held down by baggage. So I want to thank you for listening to my story. And if that sounds anything like you, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Reach out on my blog, jodyclock.com and share with me your experience. And thank you for not waking up dead today. Hey, if you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, I want to thank you. And I am so glad you didn't wake up dead today. Please jump over to JodyClock.com and download your free copy of my family care plan. This guide will help those you leave behind should you wake up dead. I promise. Be sure to order my book. It's complicated based on a true story. Send me an email about topics you'd like to hear in future episodes. Until next time, thank you for not falling asleep.